for um, it's hardest to see those who have a distorted uh, view of Christianity that is, that is using Christian terms, maybe even some version of the scriptures, um, but that is um, it, that fundamentally teaches a lie because it doesn't have the true gospel. So we pray for Jehovah's Witnesses, O oh Lord God, as, as Gary was just reminding us that there is um, that kingdom hall over by um, the airport, and uh, we pray that you would um, awaken them to understand that you are not a mere man or um, the first of God's creation or some super angel. You are Lord Jesus, God himself, and only because only God could atone uh, for the infinite debt of our sins. And so we just pray for awakening of eyes um, and, and hearts. Um, uh, thank you for the opportunity that the Lear has had to speak to these, these folks and just pray that the truth that was spoken would, um, would germinate, would bear fruit, uh, would open eyes to the, 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 um, to the inconsistencies of the, um, their, their system and to see the, the true gospel. Um, Lord, we pray for this morning as we think about uh, just how to read the scriptures well and continue to seek to grow in that and practice together, that you would bless our time. Um, we ask these things in your name. Amen. All right. Now, uh, what I handed out to you, someone, a couple of people asked, I think Kevin asked yet last week, well, do you, guys, do you have a list of all this stuff that we're kind of talking about um, for the interpretive process? And um, so if you didn't get one of those, those got passed, passed around. Um, uh, so I don't know where that, that packet of stuff is. Um, okay, so maybe if you could bring them back up front just so we have them. I think Rachel needs one, so she'll grab it. Okay, so anyway, um, again, our, our goal, there's different levels at which you can work on this, right? We always want to pursue the author's intent when we're trying to interpret no matter whether I'm doing devotions in the morning or whether I'm doing kind of a deep dive study. So whether you're reading broad or whether you're reading deep, you always kind of have want to have this flow of observation, interpretation, application in your mind. You want to see what is the text saying, ask a lot of questions about it, and then from that, uh, best you can, uh, what, is, what, is the, what did the human author intend? That's their interpretation. What does it mean? And then from that, once you've done that, and only once you've done that, uh, to then move on to what are the implications for my life, not just in terms of doing, but in terms of understanding, worldview, adoration, proclamation. So, um, and, and then you can always think that there's that step, you can call it step zero or step one, whatever you want to think about it. Um, preparation, am I ready? We always want to be praying before. There's even preparation in terms of reading the book and those sorts of things. So a lot of those just... In broad terms, what we're doing and what we're thinking about, um, it's, I try to encapsulate in a um, kind of a, a brief outline uh, on a single page. Uh, there's a bigger, fuller version that has more details, like what are you looking for in observation? Sometimes that's a struggle, like what am I actually looking for? And so we've talked about some of that, um, and I don't have it listed here under the observation stage, but uh, you know, you're looking for things like conjunctions, and uh, pronouns, who's the pronoun referring to? We've talked about that a little bit. Verbs, like there's a lot of different things you're looking for, especially when we're in a New Testament epistle like we are uh, for practice right now. You're, you're often, often the important things are conjunctions and pronouns um, and things like verbs. 
When you get into narrative, it's different what you're the primary things you're looking for. Everything's important, not everything's equally important. Um, and so uh, it's just, you, you keep that in mind. It changes depending on what genre you're in. Um, but basically you're trying to look at every detail that you can um, to be able to uncover what is the human author saying. Now again, if you're reading for devotions and you have 30 minutes in the morning or, or whatever, um, you're not going to get as much as if you, you know, spend a whole week on that passage. It's just the reality of it, right? It's a different type of reading, and both are valid. Uh, but in any case, either way, you're always working through observation, interpretation, application. Um, so even if you're not able to get the full, every single word and everything lined out as you're explaining the passage back to yourself, yeah, this is what the human author is going to say, you can get the, uh, the basic contours in a devotional reading saying, yeah, this is generally what Paul is saying. Here's a couple things that I see that I can apply. Um, and, and you can do that devotionally. So, in any case, that's for your reference. Um, maybe some of you have that already, but um, just to remind us, um, it's always those that, that, those that kind of flow, observation, interpretation, application, bathing that whole process in prayer. Now, um, I think a lot of this, um, it gets uh, caught, um, rather than just kind of thinking through a checklist, I think it's just easier to to catch it as we work through it together. So let's go back to 1 Thessalonians, because we did 1 Thessalonians 1, um, and kind of work basically through this process. Now we're going to do 1 Thessalonians um, 2, 1 through 12. Um, and let's do this. Um, so let's work on observations first. But let me go ahead and read the passage. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by, any, uh, or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts." For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, neither from you or from others, even, even though as apostles of Christ we might have asserted our authority. But we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behaved towards you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each other, uh, each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Okay. So, observation is all about noting things of a variety of sorts, so not just conjunctions, not just verbs, uh, other things that you might notice. It's, it's pretty broad. Um, and then asking questions that would help you interpret the text. Um, so that's, that's what we're doing. So what do you see? First Thessalonians chapter 2. What do you see there in those verses? It's Paul is trying to identify 
Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, so there's a couple aspects there. First, you've identified who's the we, who are all the pronoun references. Well, that goes back to 1-1, one, one, right? Uh, Paul, Silas, Silvanus is another name for Silas, uh, and Timothy... So that's the we, and he's talking about, hey, this is, this is us, we came in, uh, this is why we read Acts 16 and 17, right, kind of set this context that he, you see him briefly reference here, right, we came in, uh, and this is what we were like, uh, not just me, Paul, but all of us, and you've also noted the other idea of how he uses that family analogy, um, even in the, de- the delivery of the gospel, okay, um, good, so... That's, that's important stuff, right? Um, what else? Yeah, so, and this is where Acts helps a lot. In what way did they suffer? Yeah, and where at? In Philippi, right? So Philippi is where they came, it was right before they came to Thessalonica. So we can look back, we can look back to the beating, the being thrown in prison, all of that stuff. So that's kind of what Paul is referencing when he's talking about that there. So we know how they were suffered. Um, did and they, and they know it. Word has gotten to them that they have suffered. Yeah, and, 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 and what he's doing here is he's reflecting back, we came to you, to Thessalonica, after that happened. And, and, um, and yeah, the Thessalonians heard what had happened to them in, in, in Philippi, right? We we relate, they relate it somehow. Did they only suffer in Philippi? Or at least, did they only have difficulty in Philippi? What's it say? Yeah, uh, verse 2, right? Uh, is that where you're looking, Brenda? Verse 2. Um, to speak to you, the gospel of God amid much opposition, whatever word you have there, right? So, you can even look back to Acts 17 and what happened, right? Uh, there was a big uproar. Um, and um, so he's probably referencing that. So that broader context that we get from Acts helps us understand some of what Paul is referencing here. Okay. What else? Yes. And that's a good thing to pick up on, repeated words, right? If there's repeated words um, that gives you a hint or a clue as to what is the author focusing on. So we do see the gospel mentioned quite a bit. Um, what else? What's that? Yeah, boldness. Good. Yeah, so there's this idea of boldness, uh, even in the midst of opposition. Uh, good. What else? Mm-hmm. 
So, and, and that's a good point, right? So if you remember back to in chapter, Acts 17, so um, yeah, there's this uproar, but actually it's not Paul who gets brought before the authorities. It's actually a guy named Jason um, in the church. And you can, you know, the church like sends Paul away, but you can kind of imagine and extrapolate and you can see it from verses 13 and 14. That opposition didn't end when Paul left. Right, so you got to understand that the opposition that Paul experienced in Philippi, and then there's this uproar in Thessalonica, and then Paul leaves. There's still we are to understand from what we even read in the letter that there's still opposition and conflict going on, uh, which is important to keep in mind as we read this. Okay, what else? Yeah. Yeah, he's approved by God. They're approved by God. Now, this is interesting, right? In 2, 1 through 12, who is he focusing on? Yeah, he and his co-workers. So he's focus- he spends 12 verses focusing on himself and his co-workers in the first visit. Now, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because... Um, don't they already know this stuff, right? Don't the Thessalonians already kind of know this stuff? So why is he spending so... Here's a question, right? Here's a good interpretive question. Why is he bringing this stuff up? Why is he spending so much time rehearsing the past and rehearsing uh, this is the way we were, uh, we were bold, we were... What else does he describe the... We we talked about boldness in the gospel. What what else does he mention in these two 1 through 12s about, about the team? Okay, gentle, yeah. So, um, you know, they're proclaiming truth, but they're gentle. Okay, what else? Good. Yeah, exactly, their motives. He talks about their motives, um, and he's kind of justifying their motives in a lot of this, isn't he? Um, Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly, right? So he's, he's rehearsing all of this stuff that they should already know. And he's, you know, he's, he's saying, um, yeah, we, we're bull. We brought to you the gospel. We, uh, we, we, we weren't interested in flattery, of, uh, you know, from, we weren't flattering people. We weren't seeking glory from people. Our motives were good. We're not, there's not error here. Um, yeah, anything else? What else? Exactly. That's a big question. Sure. Yeah, so there's that aspect that Paul uh, probably has a certain awareness that, okay, he's not just writing to the Thessalonians initial, although that is the primary audience, right? Um, but then he, know, he understands that the principles laid out here are going to be 
read by all the church eventually. So there's probably some of that. But what? What's that? That would be some of it, but he's still writing to the Thessalonians, right? So he's recounting, he's thinking of the Thessalonians. This is the whole idea of who's he addressing? Who's the audience? He is addressing the Thessalonians, so he is writing it to them, although uh, it doesn't discount the reality that, um, you know, there's the secondary audience of us or the whole church through the ages um, to be able to read this. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, we're starting to shift into interpretation, but that is, that has, they tie together, right? They start to blend together. It's not like they're airtight categories, but they, um, but you're picking up on what we see of what is he doing? Like, why is he recounting all this stuff again? But, and, but if you start thinking along the lines, well, maybe a lot of the things that he's specifically defending, like we didn't have error, we didn't have impurity, we worked hard, we were gentle, like, um, it sounds like at least some of these things that, and we understand that the, uh, even from what P- Tony brought up in 13 and 14, we understand that the Thessalonian church is probably still facing opposition. This is a year and a half, two years later. Um, we could understand that um, there's probably opponents that are trying to undermine what Paul did. And that would hold true to a lot of his other ministries, right? Where he does some stuff, he goes away, and then people come in behind him and try to undermine that. So probably something similar is going on here. We kind of read between the lines and, well, not necessarily read between the lines, but just you're listening to half of a conversation, but it would make sense given all the factors that we see that he's giving a defense of their ministry. Uh, Not just Paul's ministry, but the team, right? Paul's team. This is the way we came, Thessalonians. Uh, why is he doing it then? Why is he, if he's giving a defense in these verses, why is, uh, what's he trying to do for the Thessalonians? Yeah, it is example, but if he's defending, it's not just that he's saying, yeah, be like us. It's, if they're, think about the Thessalonians, they're undergoing attacks saying, hey, that Paul guy, you know, really what they did is they just came to deceive you. They really just wanted flattery. They wanted some money. Uh, They wanted praise of man. 
And if Paul knows that's the situation that's going on, and he's saying, hey guys, let's do, let's do a history lesson. Let's go back and let's remember this is what it looked like. This is what it looked like. So why does he do it? Not just, yeah, imitate us, although that is true because they are suffering and they need that. But he's also trying to say, and you'll see this later on in the letter, where he, he gets actually, um, he articulates later, like he's afraid because they had to leave them so soon. He's afraid that Satan would essentially undermine the whole church. And so because of these reasons, because of these opponents, because there's people coming in behind him trying to undermine his ministry. And so he says, let's, do, let's walk back. Let's remember the, the, what happened. Uh, here's how we were. So what? Hold fast to the truth. Don't let go of the gospel, essentially. Um, that's what he's doing in this passage. You see how that works, right? We've definitely shifted into interpretation now, right? So we're, we're doing it in a broad way, but pulling the pieces together. But we're getting the big picture. He says all this stuff about their character, their ministry, because the Thessalonians are under attack. They're, Paul's worried about the, their faith and the whole church being undermined. And he's like, well, let, let me run through the history. And it's like, does this match up with the accusations? And so he's defending, right? He's defending for the sake of the Thessalonians holding fast what they delivered, which was the gospel um, in all its aspects. Okay? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And what else does he say? Like, so if he, Paul's defending, we've already talked about, um, it wasn't this way, it was this way, it, he, um, de, and he's listing out all of these things that show it, this, this doesn't match the accusations that are being leveled against us, right? Uh, and one of those is, um, we're like a father, we were gentle, what else does he say that they did that would um, that defends himself in their ministry? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no one like if you're if you're uh, a huckster trying to like say something now give me some money, which is there was guys that would go around not even in a Christian sense, um, but like traveling traveling teachers they would go around even in just the Greco-Roman world and they would want. They would speak, and then they would want money, right? And he's saying, well, we didn't do that. We actually worked hard so, so that we weren't a burden on you. Does that sound like a, you know, a huckster, right? So you can see how he's saying, yeah, we, we supported ourselves. We were gentle. We were tender. We were, we were this way. This doesn't match um, the, you know, the things that are being, the charges that are being leveled against us. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, yep. And it's that idea of entrustment, right? He says that um, earlier in the passage. Um, We've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, verse 4. So we speak, not as pleasing men, but as God who examines our hearts. What else? Yeah. 
So then you're drifting into application, right? Like, how do we then, you know, th think about some of these um, things for ourselves? Now, before we go full bore into that, um, we kind of essentially have a hypothesis. That's what we've developed. Like, you, that's one way of thinking about as you're developing an interpretation of the passage. You're kind of essentially developing a hypothesis of here's what Paul's talking about and why he's saying what he's saying. And like I said before, one of the best ways to say, do you understand a passage is to be able to explain it back to yourself, especially now that you have a hypothesis of, like, this is why Paul is using this passage in this way. So let's just read through it again with our hypothesis that he's defending their ministry of the gospel. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. So what is he, say what is he saying in that verse, basically? Yeah, it wasn't empty, like something happened. It wasn't just a flash in the pan sort of a thing. Something happened, which is, that's a defense, right? Because he can point them back and say, hey, remember, we, this wasn't just some kind of, you know, uh, we were here one night and gone the next. Something happened as a result. But, and he goes on to explain what that was, but after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God of much, much oppression. That. Uh, to, to, to know, to, uh, to, to let the Thessalonians know, right, we suffered and we proclaimed, even though we had suffered, that doesn't match someone who's just doing this for worldly gain, right? So he's pointing them back to these realities. Uh, verse 3, for our exhortation does not, see, he explains why, why this wasn't, um, you know, uh, just a, a human thing. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by, by way of deceit, but just as we have been proved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. All we did, we did because of um, what God has done in our, our lives. He's entrusted the gospel to us, um, and so we speak. We're not interested in pleasing men. Again, he's, uh, he's defending himself. For we never came, let me, let me explain that further, let me defend myself further. Verse 5, for we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from, um, from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ we might have asserted our authority. It's like, I could have used my rights, but I didn't um, and to get glory from men. Um, it doesn't match. If someone's accusing us, we only did that to get glory from men, it doesn't match. What we did doesn't, doesn't match that. Uh, seven, but we pr proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. If we were only interested in the praise of man, if we were only interested in money, we wouldn't have this kind of gentle aspect uh, among, among us. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives, because you had been very dear to us. If we just wanted money, if we just wanted the praise of man, if we just wanted uh, to be there and gone and kind of take advantage of you, we would not be imparting to you our own lives and trying to develop relationships with you. For you recall, brother, brother, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Uh, people, uh, we worked. We worked for our bread. We weren't steal, taking money from anyone. Um, that doesn't match the accusations that are coming against us. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you, brothers. Uh, 
you believers, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring you, just as a father would his children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. We were all about you guys receiving the gospel and then walking worthy in that way for the gospel. That's what our ministry was all about. So he's, de- he's defended it. He's like, you guys know all this stuff. Let me recount the facts. And it was all about the gospel. We really believe this stuff, and we want you to live in light of it. That's what he's doing in this passage. So now the question is, um, what was the application, since he's directing it, to the Thessalonians? We've got a kind of basic handle on the interpretation of the passage. What, um, what was the application for the Thessalonians? Because that's who he's writing to. There was an application for them. What was the application for them? Good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they might gonna, they're going to, they're already facing some of that opposition both from those who are trying to undermine Paul's authority, but also like just opposition to the message generally. Okay, so that's some of their situation. Uh, so how, how is this passage supposed to work for them? What are, what are the Thessalonians supposed to take away from this passage? What are they supposed to do with it? Whether in terms of thinking, doing, worshiping, what are they supposed to do with it? Yeah, Pat. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So for the Thessalonians, right, they're in the midst of trouble, but He's already mentioned the word of God is going out from you. Here's how we were. You know it was genuine for us if you do the same things. You know, so there is an aspect of imitation coming from this. Um, part of the application for the Thessalonians is hold on to the true gospel. This is the truth. You can see based on how we behaved, it was the truth, so hang on to it. Hang on to it and, verse 12, live in light of it. Uh, so don't think, oh, maybe they were just deceiving us. Maybe they just wanted glory, you know, people-pleasing. Uh, maybe they just wanted money. Maybe they really did deceive us. Paul's like, no, remember how we carried out our ministry. So our, the, what we shared with you is real. Still hang on to it and then walk in light of it, right? Verse 12. Um, yeah. They can look back as a defense, like someone says something and they say, no, 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 no. That's not actually what happened. Um, this is what happened, and we know what was delivered to us was done genuinely, and it points to the genuineness of the message. So, yeah. so now we think about, okay, we get some indications of what's there for the Thessalonians, uh, and what do we do now? And we've already said some of that, right? Uh, like Pat was saying, um, well, as we are proclaiming the gospel, ideally, with that person, you would like to be able to have a relationship where you can show 
hey, it's not just my words, but it's my actions and my relationship. I'm giving of myself to you, even as I am also saying these words, right? You can see that's what Paul and his team did, and it made a huge impact for the gospel. Words influence um, backing up actions and actions backing up words. Um, so that's definitely something we can take away, right? Um, you know, often, sometimes we just have a one-off opportunity in proclaiming the gospel, uh, you know, uh, and that's good. Do it, right? You got a one-off opportunity, you can't have a long-term relationship, then do it, right? Because God's word is powerful. But in the ideal sense, you would like to have a relationship with that person um, and such that there's an ongoing communication, both in terms of action and, and words, right? And you see that here, and you see how the long-term impact on the, um, the church. So that's a takeaway. Uh, what else? Absolutely, and I, I think, you know, we sometimes, like, really? Paul's motivated by, uh, you know, uh, Paul is motivated by reward, and his reward is the people, right? So I'm laboring, that's what he's saying, right? I'm laboring for you all because I'm going to get joy and glory um, and just seeing you there at the end, right? You're my glory and joy. You're going to hold on, right? So uh, yeah, I'm defending my ministry, but it's not just for the sake of saying, hey, look how good we are, but I'm doing it for your sake because, hey, I want you there at the end. Because when you're there at the end, that's part of my reward. That's part of my glory and joy um, at, the, at the end, right? So that's part of, it, you know, the letter all flows together, right? Everything's connected. So um, you, two, 1 through 12, it looks back and it looks forward. And so that's why it's helpful to kind of read the whole book um, if you can, ahead of time, uh, a few times to, to kind of get that sense of continuity. But yeah, good. What else? Other, other things, applications we could take away from, uh, from this, this passage, 2, 1 through 12. It's a, I, oh, go ahead. Verse 12, where he says, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Sure. Definitely. And what he will get into later in the letter is what does it mean to walk worthy? And he'll talk about brotherly love, continuing that, purity, holiness. Like he'll define that that even later in in uh what does he get? Chapter four. Really, chapters one through three in First Thessalonians are all a big thank you, or all a big um, praise. That's how letters often start. Like I mentioned that, um, even in the ancient world generally, they start with a thanksgiving or praise section, and usually it's pretty short, and even in Paul it's pretty short. This one is really long, like really long. Um, and uh, But part of that, part of why he's doing that is one, we've already said, the defense aspect, defending the gospel, but also uh, encouraging them to keep going, encouraging them to walk in a similar, uh, in a similar sort of way. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think what you see in 2, 1 through 12 is just uh, the, the, the attitude of being motivated by the gospel. Right? You see Paul... Like, this is real, therefore, here's how we act, right? And whether I, you know, whether, I, um, doesn't matter, I'm so interested in seeing others uh, know the gospel and walk worthy of the gospel that I'm willing to work really hard. I'm willing to work, uh, I'm willing to not put a burden on other people. I'm willing to be gentle. I'm willing to be all of these things. Because his motivation is what? Um, it's, 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 they've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, but as pleasing God who examines our hearts. Our motivation is to please God, not men. Um, and so you just see that, that gospel ethos in um, his attitude and his actions in this. So some takeaways there, like what is... What, is my, what am I driven by as a Christian in proclaiming the gospel? Am I putting a notch in my, oh yeah, I shared the gospel with another person, or am I like, I'm laboring for that person. I really want that person because I want to please God. Not that I want to please that person, but I want to please God um, and not men. So, You see how this works? This kind of process works a little bit? Again, we're kind of moving through it fast, but I'm thinking in terms of uh, if you're sitting down 30 minutes in devotions in the morning, like, we worked through that pretty fast. There's a lot of detail that we kind of glossed over, right? So if you did a deep dive, you would see more of that detail, and you would see more of how that came together. But you could still, in a 30 minutes in the morning, get a basic flow of, okay, what's Paul trying to say? What was the application for the Thessalonian audience? Now what's the application for me? Um, and being able to do that. So, Okay, um, let's stop there for today. Uh, we will not have a quipping hour next week, because I will be gone and out of town. So... Um, uh, the, and so we'll, we'll take a week off and do a break. When we come back, uh, I think we're probably going to switch to a different genre and we're going to do the same thing just in a different section. So whether it's a Psalm or a narrative or whatever it is, but we're going to do the same thing and just try to keep practicing on this. So let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we want to be people that seeking to please you, knowing there is a reward 
um, knowing that you are a generous God. We don't deserve anything, and we don't merit anything, uh, but you give generously, um, and we thank you for that. Um, we uh, just pray for us. Give us hearts like Paul and his team that we would labor for people. We would love souls uh, because we love you um, and that we would work hard uh, for the sake of others. We would work hard for the sake of the gospel. We would be bold uh, for the sake of the gospel. We would, even if we suffer or ridicule for it, we would not let that dissuade us, but because we love you, we're seeking to please you, and we want others to walk worthy of the gospel. Uh, We pray even for this morning, as we gather together here shortly, that we would be uh, focused on you, focused on the gospel, delighting in you. Uh, pray that our worship would be pleasing to you. Our songs that we sing would be pleasing to you. Pray that the scriptures preached would be pleasing to you. Pray that the fellowship would be pleasing to you and that we would seek each other following you closely um, uh, in the gospel uh, in our whole lives. Um, help us to be gentle, uh, not straying from the truth, not blunting the truth, but being also gentle and loving and giving of ourselves to one another. Uh, Lord, we pray these things. We thank you for this time together this morning in your name. Amen.